This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Hey, today our guest is very interesting. He's Mississippi native and classical conductor of the London Night Symphony Orchestra, William Walker. We'll sit down and talk with his journey from Mississippi to Vienna. Plus, Michelle and I will talk about the latest headlines in the weekly roundup. And if you'd like to be part of our show, well, we'd love you to give us a call. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop us an email at marshall.com mpbonline.org. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, welcome to another great show. I tell you what, this is going to be a fantastic show because um, we have just a high-powered guest today. I'm very excited. Of course, we have Mississippi native, but he currently lives in Vienna, Austria. William Walker, he is in the show. And his mom's in the room, too, but we will not hear from her. But I just wanted to throw out that she's here, too. She's fantastic. He's, of course, he's a conductor. He's a cellist, um, multi-instrumentalist, composer. You name it, he can do it. He's just a pretty cool guy. Anyway, we'll talk with William just in a few minutes. And, of course, we have the weekly roundup coming up with Michelle. Michelle, I'm glad you're still here after the weekend because it was a bit bumpy. You know, Michelle's the only person I know that plays a thunderstorm app during a thunderstorm so that she can sleep. That's impressive. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I do. You're like, I is do. it at the app or is it real? Oh, my God. That was supposed to be in confidence. We uh, talked about that between us. I know, but that's what radio's all about. Oh Don't God. worry. It's just well, us. Anyway. You know, just us listening. Yeah, just us, right? Yeah. Now everyone knows I sleep with a thunderstorm app. That's pretty cool, though. That's yeah. high-powered. Whatever. But actually, I got it from one of my doctors. Um have a you know of course being in grad school and doing everything else producing and it's a lot and uh, two radio stations so my mind does not wind down in the evening oh really and it's very hard for it to wind down so um i was taking melatonin and th- yeah. different things to try to sleep and um she said the apps the like we were talking about the noise the soft noises the um white noises but for some reason thunderstorm app just that says it's a lot. For yeah. I've got a tornado app. Sounds like a freight train. It's very soothing. But I don't know the 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 light, the thunder. Yeah. The, oh uh, yeah. When you hear the rain, right? I mean, it's really hard rain. It just soothes me. It's but soothing always... thunder, not like the kind we had over the weekend, like when my neighbor's tree got struck, and it sounded like we we're an art- artillery. Well, strike. believe it or not, is some crackling thunder in my Oof. app. And um, for but since I was young, I've always enjoyed sleeping to thunderstorms. So a huh. lot of people say you're in the right to... place for that. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? We had one fatality, I believe, in the state. Yeah. Very very um, rough weekend. Very rough. But um, what nineteen um other mishaps as far as... I mean, you had two tornadoes like back-to-back hit mm-hmm. Vicksburg. and I mean, that storm system, um, the storm that produced that tornado went basically all the way across the state and was causing some of the ones... You had Starkville, you know, I mean, a lot of parents were puckering on that one because they were thinking, oh, is my kid okay? Right. And you had the Starkville one. Um, but I mean, a lot of the same places, there was actually Smithville was under a t- tornado warning for a while. And I'm thinking if there's any place on the planet that never needs to see another tornado in a million years, it would be Smithville right, after right. The, what happened in 2011. So, uh, and the, the scary thing is it's going to happen again because it's spring in Mississippi, it's but it's going to happen in Thursday. We're going to have some storms again then, too. Well, we pray that um, people, you know, and um, we talk about uh, technology on everyday tech a lot, but technology helps so much with uh, warnings and getting people prepared, especially with the weather technology and the technology that uh, preparing people for a thunderstorm, that magnitude, or or even just being warned. Right. Uh, You can get into your safe place. Well, one guy was talking about on the news yesterday that he um, heard the noises and heard the siren and he got in his tub. And I was thinking, I'm like, my daughter and I don't talk about that enough. What do we do? Get in the tub, put your uh, mattress over your head. Wear a helmet. You know, if you have a bike helmet or a football helmet. we don't have helmets, but I was wondering, I was thinking, um, you never know when a tree 
We have a lot of trees um, in our yard, and especially in our backyard. You never know when a tree will fall. Well, you and guys have flying debris, too. That's true. the other thing when you're... So putting that mattress over your head in the yeah. tub, closing closing that door on your closet, very safe to do. And I was thinking about that yesterday. We haven't done any drills. We might need to do that. I would think so. And make sure it's when her friends are over, because that would be extra cool. <laughs> She's a 16-year-old. She would kill me. <laughs> Let's do a tornado drill. Well, I know. Exactly. That's why I kind of mentioned it. So having a 16-year-old myself, I know how this rolls. Oh, my God. Uh, a lot of stuff going on today in history? Yes, of course. Two things I uh, found. One was history, and then one was Mississippi history. Very uh, prevalent, though. Titanic. The Titanic sunk on April 15th, 1912. And one of my favorite movies. I hate to say that. Well, it's but, appropriate that it's tax day also. Yeah, I know. That it seems is. to be appropriate. Isn't that? But, um, you know, a lot of people say that shit would never sink. The unsinkable ship. And it actually did. Nothing is... Nothing is uh, off limits. I mean, right. again, it started on the uh, 14th, getting um, struck by the... Yeah. Iceberg, and then it went down on the 15th. Sad for everyone um, dealing with that. And, and you know what? To be mm-hmm. honest with you, Rose could have allowed Jack on that door. I still think that was, you know. That was, you know what? I always said that too, but. Okay, and here's another one. Le- Leonardo DiCaprio's mm-hmm. girlfriend is actually younger than the movie. Oh. Yeah. That's how long ago that movie came out. Wow. Just to make you feel old. And he is how old now? <laughs> Older than me. Oh, he is? No, I'm just no. kidding. Well, you sound surprised. <laughs> no, because I really like him. Because you know I'm ancient. And, yeah. no, I, and I really like him. But, yeah, uh, I do too. Today in Mississippi history, on April 15th, 1927, the United States' Great Mississippi Flood happened. That's right. Interesting. Five inches of rain fell um, over an 18-hour um span causing the Mississippi River to break out of its levee system at 145 locations. Yeah, it was so, and of course changed the face of Mississippi. Oh my god. Yeah. And um they said Arkansas during that flood Arkansas um achieved the worst uh, effect by that flood, but we talk about the great flood of the Delta, Mississippi Delta and Mississippi. They say the Coliseum was completely underwater. Now that was well, that was from the forty years right, ago, the right. Great Jackson flood that we had. And I see the pictures, and I just can't imagine. I wasn't in Mississippi then, but uh, I can't imagine. Yeah, they had twenty-five inches of rain up in Louisville, and it came in right at Easter. So it was talking to a couple of my friends who were here. They're like, "Yeah, we were sitting in our apartment. The, the sky was all sunny and everything. And next thing you know, we couldn't get out of our apartment because it was underwater. And basically, the Pearl River, you know, and of course, it did it again. I think what in '82." Uh, came in, first it was 79 and then it was 82. They had a second flood. But yeah, that's always the kind of the sword that's hanging over our heads here in the Jackson area. But of course, the Great Flood of 27 uh, caused a huge migration up to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can even hear a Led Zeppelin song that sings right. about it, too. Right. So when the levee breaks. But yeah, it was um, it was pretty amazing. Uh, another thing, too, just thrown out on history, uh, of course, on this date, I guess, 29 years ago, Hermione was born. I know. For, okay, Harry Potter, the Emma Watson who plays right. Hermione, is 29 years old. You talk about feeling old. <laughs> well, no, when I see Harry Potter, though, when I just look at him and just realize uh, when I used to watch the movies and now he's a grown man, I'm I know. like, my God. Yeah, and Maisie Williams, who's in Game of Thrones, which, of course, started back yes, last night. She's 22 because she was like a little kid when that started. And see, for all you Game of Throners, we call it, my boyfriend has been binge-watching binge the season. So I think he's up to... Uh, seven, maybe six. That's impressive. I, I have not been able to invest that much time he into it. He did. And yeah. over a span of three weeks, I'm like, that's impressive. But yeah. How did you, you know, I told him he actually uh, switched places. I was not his girlfriend anymore for three weeks. It's been Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. So, um, but he can't watch the new season because he hasn't caught up yet. Oh, okay. So he's been trying to stay away from social media and, and uh, the episode last night because he doesn't understand it because he's still catching up you know what i watched yesterday was amazing tiger woods winning oh yeah that That was was great and that you think about it for a second it's a great comeback story but here's a guy not only i'm thinking two years ago he couldn't even walk he's had four back surgeries he and on top of that he had mental demons too i mean Mm -hmm. he had all that he had to work through so i mean anybody knows if you can calm your inner demon and go back and win but i mean there weren't even there weren't even smartphones the last time he won a major (laughs) And to see him come back like that, I know a lot of people cheered. Um, Ben Hogan was, that's kind of the story that reminds me, Ben Hogan was a golfer way back when. He got hit by a bus and broke every bone in his body, and he came back and won a triple triple crown for golf. And you just kind of wonder, okay, what's 
Tiger going to do next? But it's great for golf. I think it's great for a lot of things just because for anybody who's ever dealt with that, dealt with, you know, dealing with the mental part of it, to see him be able to come back like that, it was awesome. It probably, I'm sure it was for him. And again, um, his kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was hugging his kids at the end of it. And they showed the picture of him hugging his dad. Mm -hmm. Because when his dad died, he really did. Wright Thompson, who's from Mississippi, great writer, writes for ESPN.com, did a fantastic article on Tiger at the secret world of Tiger Woods and talks about that. When his dad died, I mean, he literally unraveled because his dad was his universe. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, to see him to be able to hug his kids. And, I mean, there's a lot of things that went on, obviously, you know, that were not cool. But you kind of understand now when you saw what he, all he went through, the fact he wanted to be a Navy SEAL, and that's how he hurt his back. He was doing the training. He thought he was going to become a Navy SEAL. So he totally came unwound, and the fact that he's been able to get it back together is fantastic. So. Speaking of fantastic people, mm-hmm. <laughs> good segue. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, I can't wait. Yeah, I, I would say pound for pound. Oh, yeah, equally as talented as Tiger. I know. Yeah, I It kind of favors him as well. <laughs> okay, Michelle. Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. Well, I mean, no, so he no, did. We'll find out when you watch conversations. He's convers- laughing, he's laughing. Yeah. When you find out when you watch conversations when I interview him, that's the television part. But, you know, he's and, also... And women will agree. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to... Um, that'll be probably our highest-rated show yet, <laughs> I can guarantee. Look forward to talking to him, of course. William Walker's in the studio. Yes, he is. Yeah, we're going to talk with him. What an incredible career he's had so far. He's half my age, and he's already done three times as much stuff as I'll ever do. So it, it's it, this is going to be a great show. So y'all stay tuned. And of course, if you want to be part of the show, you can give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. We'll throw that number out in just a second. It's 877-MPB-RING. It's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Can't get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. Palette to Palette is back with Chef Robert St. John and artist Wyatt Waters. Join us this week on Palette to Palette. We start at Meridian, where we go to the Max Museum. We have bluegrass all the way in to Hattiesburg, where we eat at the Purple Parrot. I've heard of that place before. It's a pretty good place. I've been there. Bastow Jackson rocks us out at the end of the day. The Grand Tour, join us. That's Palette to Palette. Thursday at 7.30 on MPB Television. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MBB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. Ah, it's a beautiful day today. I hope, hope it lasts that way for a few more days. I'll let everybody around Mississippi clean up a little bit. But anyway, very excited to have in the studio the uber-talented, well, let's put it this way. He's multi-instrumentalist. He's a conductor. He's a composer. And he's also a Mississippi native. And we welcome him home, William Walker. William, man, thanks. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm really honored to be on the show. Yeah, and your mom's in here, too. She is. Yeah. She's a big reason why you do what you do, isn't she? Well, without her, I wouldn't be able to do, to have done anything that I've done. Yeah. yeah. She, she, she would take you to early, con- to Mississippi Symphony Orchestra when you were exactly. a kid, and you kind of fell in love with it then, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, she took me first, the first, one of my earliest memories that I have is going um, 
to one of the Halloween concerts that they gave. Oh, cool. I, I think I dressed up as Batman or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the orchestra was playing movie music, like perhaps Star Wars or Jaws or yeah. something like that, and you know other popular things with children. And, and yeah, and I really enjoyed listening to that. And um, Also, I, I was a student at Casey Elementary School and bust in um, to Dalyamar Hall to hear the orchestra and just really ate up all, all of that. You said, I want to do this. Well, I, I said I'm interested in doing this. Okay, I, yeah. I, I definitely want to try to do it. And so I, I didn't know at the time that I would, you know, do it as a profession. But right. I, I knew at the time that I was very interested in, in, you know, playing an instrument and perhaps being the guy standing in the middle waving my arms around. Yeah, exactly. I, we really need to talk about how you made that transition, too. When you first started, what was the first instrument you started playing? Um, the first instrument that I played was a cello. Yeah, your mom said that um, she meant to buy a bass. Well, no. So what what happened was um, I started in the strings program at Casey, yeah. and um, they w- came and they showed us some instruments, or they they said, yeah. "We would you like to play instruments?" And of course, well, what do you want to play? And I said, "I want to play the biggest one." And I actually meant the double bass, and they brought me a violin. And I said, "No, I don't want this. I want the <laughs> biggest one." And then they brought me a cello, and because nobody else in the class had a bass. Yeah. I thought, well, this is the biggest one, so this is the one that I want. And that's how I, how I ended up <laughs> playing the cello. Okay, and so now you're like world-renowned all because of that moment. Well, it, well, uh, there was a little practice in between, too. but there, there, There's a lot of practice involved. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, a lot of practice. How old, how old were you when this happened? Um, so I, I, I was in elementary school when I first started to when I first received the cello, I, I say yeah. I say that there's a, a date that I received the cello <laughs> yeah, and a exactly. date that I started to play the cello because yeah. I started to re- I received the cello sometime in in elementary school, but I didn't actually during that time I didn't learn how to re- read music. Right, I basically didn't know how to play anything. I knew how to you know kind of hold it a little bit, kind of hold it, make some really weird, noises. make some weird noises. But when I went to middle school, that's when I learned how to read music. I also joined the band at that time in yeah. sixth grade. So simultaneously, I really learned, I, I really began to learn how to play the cello and the saxophone. And so I, I would go, actually, it was very funny. I would have um, class in the band, and then mm-hmm. the next hour I would go to, to strings class. Oh, wow. And so it was really nice for me because I enjoyed doing both things, and I just kind of went on from there. You know, they, they always talk, Malcolm Gladwell always talks about the 10,000 hour rule and everything. Uh, and I think that's great. I think 10,000 hours of practice is wonderful, but I think, you know, really correct, perfect practice is what exactly. matters, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, Mislav Rostopovich, one of the most famous cellists in history, um, really a legend, a Russian cellist, um, would not practice more than two hours a day, is what he said. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, there would be some occasions where he would practice much more than that, like he was learning. Um, he gave the world premiere performance of a cello concerto by um, Shostakovich, and he learned that in, in just one night. Wow. A really wow. difficult piece. Yeah. He just took the entire night and learned it. So, I mean, there are exceptions, but he really just practiced two hours a day. But it was so focused and so intense that he accomplish what some people accomplish in, you know, several days of practicing many right. hours. Well, and, that, and I read, I was reading one of the articles about you, and it talked about you were adjusted the metronome to change the speed a little bit. So you could, early on, you could kind of get the mistakes out early on and affect it later on. I, I yeah. just totally butchered that because I draw for a living. I don't play music. <laughs> but that said, it to me, it sounds like that you put a lot of thought into your practice. Well, the practice is the most important thing. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people think that musicians... Um, or just show up and play right. music, and well, yeah, that's the that's really the. If you were to uh, think of an iceberg, that's the tip of the iceberg. Of course, right. the iceberg has much more underneath the water, and um, really, what we do, what most of our job is, is to sit at home and practice for a very long period of time. Okay, that's a tough thing to do for a middle schooler, though. It really is. I mean, I'm impressed because I'm, when I was in middle school, I had like 6,000 different directions I was pointing in, but you pretty fo- you focused in on this pretty quickly, didn't you? Uh, yeah, well, I, I knew that I, I, I was interested in it, and actually, I'm going to tell you a little secret. I didn't practice so much when I was in middle school. Uh-oh. It wasn't, okay. it wasn't until I, I made it to high school that I really started to, you know, practice longer yeah. hours. That's when I started taking it, you know, more seriously, because during middle school, I was thinking, and a lot of people thought I was probably going to go into engineering or something like that, or, or, you know, building computers or something, because I had an interest for it. And I I enjoyed taking things apart and seeing how they worked. But um, 
Yeah, in high school, I, I said, well, this is something that I really enjoy doing, I really love to do. Yeah. And that's when I started going more in the direction of learning how to play, well, uh, focusing on how to play the cello and right. focusing on saxophone and then picking up a few other instruments in high school. Let me talk about the timeline a little bit, because you, you really, I'm trying to do this in a way that English is correct, you got good quickly. Because um, you were playing suddenly in youth orchestras, you were you were getting around and so forth. And it, just looking at the timeline, it seemed like from the time you started until the time you were getting on a on a bigger stage was pretty quick. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, it was it was relatively um, soon. Yeah. Uh, so as I mentioned, I, I first started really looking at at the cello, practicing, learning how to read music and whatnot yeah. in the sixth grade. Um, in the seventh grade, just by accident, I learned of the Mississippi Youth Symphony Orchestra. I had no idea. There was no publicity at my school that they were actually in residence at, at the school, at the yeah. Chastain Middle School. Um, and it, So one day after school, after band practice, I was standing waiting for my ride home, and then I saw these people coming in with string instruments. And I'm like, well, you don't go to my school. What are you doing here? And they said, oh, the Mississippi Youth Symphony is having auditions. And so then I went in and... I didn't prepare an audition or anything because, you know, I didn't yeah. know anything about it. And so they said, well, can you play something? And um, I, I had memorized some orchestra parts that I've been playing, but I, I hadn't played any solo literature. And so then I I um, yeah. just played that for them and they accepted me, luckily. And, and then they said, well, you need to get a private teacher. And that's when I got my first private teacher. Yeah, tell us. Your, his, that was what I was just looking at. It's Bennett um, Randman, right? Well, my first private teacher, my first private teacher was uh, Richard Brown, who's a okay. bass player in the orchestra. Oh, really? okay. and, and so funny enough, you know, I wanted to be a bass player and then I started studying with the bass player. But uh, eventually when it was clear that I was going to continue with the cello and not make the switch over to bass, then I switched to Bennett Ramman, who was the longtime principal cello with the Mississippi Symphony. Yeah. And tell what influence did he have on you? Oh, he, he so he knows a lot about the traditions of cello playing. So like he yeah. he would say, OK, so you need to play this like um, Pablo Casals, for example, or, or yeah. Leonard Rose, really two great cellists of the 20th century. And so he, he could tell me exactly this is how they held the fingers on the left hand, how they held the fingers on the right hand. Uh, you need to do this and, you know, you need to focus your practice this way. You need to prepare this. This is what cellists do. This is what you have to do. And so he he had a really big impact on my early development. Talk about you, because you guys did some touring as well with the thing. You went down to Central America. With the youth orchestra, yeah. 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 So Tell, tell us, because there's some great stories involved with that. Well, well um, so the Mississippi Youth Symphony went down to Costa Rica, and we, we did a tour of the, con of, of the country. Mm -hmm. And um, just a, a really quick funny story. Yeah. Um, we were touring, we toured many different cities inside of Costa Rica from coast to coast. And every time we stopped and gave a concert, because it was just a chamber orchestra that went, the conductor would read the name of the, of the orchestra members. And every time he made it to my name, the audience just erupted with laughter and it was and everybody <laughs> was trying to figure out why are they laughing right. every time, every time they make it to your name. And, you know, I, I wasn't doing anything funny, I thought. And, you know, being a teenager, you always you are a little self-conscious. Self exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then finally, the tour guide said, uh, the guy who was touring with us, he wasn't necessarily a tour guide, but touring with us yeah. um, from Costa Rica said, well, it's because um, William Walker was, um, uh, he's, he had a very central role in our national history. So you're like George Washington. No, <laughs> the opposite of George Washington. <laughs> yeah. So Costa Rica was one of the few countries that actually just received independence from Spain. Yeah. They just granted them independence. But then William Walker actually from Tennessee went down there and conquered the country. Oh, so OK. Yeah. The, so, yes. Technically opposite of George Washington. Exactly. exactly. And so so it was it was they, they fought a war of independence against him and okay. they dethroned him. And so. You oh, know. that's great. Yeah, so that's exactly. Good. Well, at and least so, they were laughing and not rioting. That's exactly, good. exactly. And <sighs> so that's, but what a great experience, though, to get to go do that. Oh, yeah, it was a great experience um, for a, you know, for in, anybody, but especially in middle school to yeah. be able to go down there. And that was my first time out of the country also. I was looking just kind of at the golden thread of your career so far, and you have been, it seems like everybody that you've met and every opportunity that you've had you've been able to grow from it and learn from it i mean that's what a blessing that's been i've been very i've been very fortunate to have some to cross paths with some great people yeah i, I want of course when we get on the other side of the break i want you to talk about that a little bit about how important mentorship is like i said um that's huge but 
I mean, in high school, though, I mean, you getting to do that, and you made it all the way up to your senior year, and then you made a little switch in schools. Well, yeah, that's kind of funny. So I, I began my first, I, I was at, I went to high school at Merrill High School, and in my 12th grade year, I attended for two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks, and then I transferred, which, you know, you normally don't do, but I, I ended up going to the Interlochen Arts Academy in which, Michigan. Which is very well well thought of and renowned. It, it was a yeah. special place. Yeah, and I think the thing that was so amazing for you, even though you were having opportunities and you were on a stage here in Mississippi, when you got there, you were going up against some people that were like, had already had national renown as, as students. Yeah, the student body is, is coming from all 50 states and from other countries. And so, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of people and um, who are at the top of their right. age category. Right. And which, so, which made you compete and work harder and exactly. it kind of sharpened the saw a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't like to think of it as a competition, but at the same time, you have to be at a certain level to be able to play with your colleagues. How was and, the pressure? Was it tough? Um, yeah, it, it was, it's, it, there is some pressure to it, yeah. Yeah. And because you, if you show up and you are not able to play well, then then, then you, you have know, to go back home. You, well, you have to go back home. Also, also that's that's a big thing. Also, yeah. well, I mean, you make it sound like there's something else. Well, you I, mean, I mean, also they they humiliate you. They and humiliate they lash. you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's like the movie Whiplash almost. It, it, in a way, I, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So you don't have like a psychotic drummer teacher. No. That's no. good. <laughs> yeah. I've always worried about that a little bit. Yeah. So that that but that. But of course, it's being high school. That's, I mean, if if you show up and you know, kids can be mean sometimes. But really? I didn't have any experiences like that personally. But I I wanted to avoid that, so I yes. practiced hard. So you practiced yeah. hard, so that exactly. you could you could go in and say, okay, I'm perfect. See you later. Yeah, well, no, I, I was never perfect. But <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> but I mean, too. But like I said, it, it really opened up. What were some of the opportunities that you had had there that maybe you wouldn't have gotten here? You were able to travel and and be part of different groups. And- well, um, at Interlochen. Um, it's a school that focuses on arts. Yeah. Um, so there are many different art disciplines. Okay. And so you have not just music, you have also um, dance, you have motion picture arts, so filmmakers, yeah. you have um, visual artists, you have writers, you mm-hmm. have painters, um, you have many different art forms there, theater, uh, acting. And um, so to be able to um, you see how they're being trained, how the people in the other art disciplines are being trained is very influential on what you do and how you make music and how I make music. Right. And um, so that, that was influential. But then also having the opportunity to perform and to rehearse um, with the full symphony orchestra on a daily basis at yeah. 7 o'clock in the morning. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> yeah, wow. Our rehearsals were at 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, that's that's kind of rude. Yeah, well, it's it's a it's an awakening. Yes, <laughs> yeah. no pun intended, right? <laughs> but but we we played a lot of really great repertoire, and you know we had concerts every three weeks, which yeah. is very different than um, when you don't have rehearsal every day um, in high school. And so that that was a great experience. Got to go through a lot of repertoire, and and um, yeah, it was just a great experience in that I, way. I, you know, and I'm thinking that's that's perfect because I remember early on in my career, I, when I got into college, I suddenly had a daily deadline. I had to draw a cartoon every day. Hmm. That's when I learned how to do what I do. And it sounds like that gave you the opportunity to kind of do. Now you you don't worry about a piece of music anymore. You're just like, okay, I'm going to knock this out. Well, well, I, I I think the worry about a piece of music um, it goes for a lifetime because yeah, well, yeah it it's something uh, like Pablo Casals, the great cellist of the 20th century who um died when he was in his 90s yeah um people asked him why are you still practicing and you're over 90 years old you're a great master and he said well it's because i'm still learning oh wow and it's a piece that he'd been playing for 70 years 70 plus years and so it's because i'm still learning that's great. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll continue our conversation with William Walker, incredibly talented conductor, composer, multi-instrumentalist. And, we're, and of course, he lives in Vienna, but he is here today. He's back home. And, of course, if you have any questions or comments for him, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email us at marshall at mpbonline.org. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
Running a business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MBB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. If you're just joining us, our guest today is Mississippi native and uber-talented William Walker. Uh, welcome to the show, William. Always good to see you. And we actually have a caller who has a, a comment or a question for you. We have Kathy and Natchez. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you for being part of it. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for enjoying the show. Thank you. So what's your comment? Well, well, I had a question for uh, Mr. Walker. I have uh, my oldest daughter. She's right now around 32 years old. But when she was in middle school, going into high school, she learned to play the cello. She was in the orchestra in Georgia, and she used to travel around with the school and winning state competitions and everything, and she really, really enjoyed it. But as life went around, you know, she stopped playing and stuff. But I bought a cello for her, Um what would he suggest would be a way to kind of boost her love back for the cello? Because I still feel that that's something that she could pursue because she's still trying to find herself. So that's my question. Thanks, Kathy. Um, well, I, I think that she she should um, just take the instrument and um, try to play, try to, try to join a perhaps a community orchestra and just have the opportunity to, to play on a weekly basis and, you know, just walk, take baby steps back into it. And, um, yeah, I, I think that if, once she does that for a, a little bit of time, uh, she might discover her passion for it again. That's perfect. Yeah. She still has the music in her. Yeah, she does. Every, everybody does Every, whether they know it or not. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, trying to think. So what are you doing now? I'm now you're okay. I just jumped a lot there. I apologize. So, anyway, you graduate from high school. Yeah. You're you're practicing and you're playing all the time. Um, where do you go to college from that point? Uh, so I, I I graduated from my bachelor's degree um, at the Chicago College of Performing Arts. Yes, um, and so actually that that was uh, also something that I I was very lucky, very fortunate to have been able to do because uh, growing up. One of my favorite orchestra recordings to listen to was the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, and then just by chance, I was able to. I was searching for a new cello to buy. I had to get a, a higher uh, quality cello, higher quality instrument, so that I could because I didn't. Uh, when when you you have to uh, get a new instrument, or you are limited by the capabilities of your current instrument. Right. And so so that I that didn't happen. I was searching for a new one, and um, I met my who would become my cello teacher um, doing this in Chicago. I went to Chicago looking for this instrument, and um, he invited me to audition for his class. And I did, and I was accepted. And, yeah, I, I had an opportunity to learn with from a, a member of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra from Richard Herschel, and he was one okay. of my yeah. really formative um, cello teachers, in, especially in, in university studies. You know, it, it's... Yeah. When you buy an instrument like that, I mean, literally, like you said, you had to look for a specific place to find it. It's not like you can go on eBay and find a used one. I mean, yeah. how, how does that process? Is there like certain places that sell them or do you find you buy them from people? Cause uh, it's probably like buying a car, I would imagine, cost wise. Well, I mean, it's it's a it's different than buying a car in the fact that if you go and you you want to buy a Toyota. Well, they make a lot of Toyotas. Well, yeah, they make yeah. a lot of Toyotas. And you know that just because it's a Toyota, it's going to be good. Yeah. And so I tried a lot of instruments. Actually, it took me a year, maybe a year and a half, two years wow. to find an instrument that I liked yeah. and that didn't cost a million dollars. Then there's that. Also. Um, and so, um, yeah, so what you're looking for is an instrument that, that connects with you. It's, yeah. it's, kind of, it's kind of weird to say, but it's like Harry Potter and looking the for the wand. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you're, you're looking for an instrument that, you, that, that connects with you. And that's what I've I found when I went to Chicago, and I still play that cello today. How'd you know really to go look cello. in Chicago for it? Well, uh, so you, you're looking at the centers where there are big orchestras. Yeah. Because where they have big orchestras, they will have instrument shops. And so mm -hmm. there's a very famous shop in Chicago. There are several famous shops in Chicago. And so I went and tried many different instruments there. There are also some in New York. There are some in Cleveland. 
and you know elsewhere as well but yeah um, I didn't go to either to to New York to look for instruments, but I I knew that there were. If it didn't work in Chicago, I should go to New York, and that's kind of what a lot of people, a lot of my mentors were telling me. You need to go look here. You need to look there. Um, yeah, because not every city has a, an instrument shop of fine of fine right. string instruments. How did you go from? Obviously, you're. I mean, you're at this point. You're becoming one of the top cello players around how did you suddenly switch into becoming a conductor was that something you wanted to do early on or well it it kind of happened because i um in high school when i was still at interlochen i um was playing first cello in the orchestra in the conducting lab orchestra so the conducting students got up and they were conducting and um yeah, I, I I might have laughed a little bit at at them, um, <laughs> and you know I knew nothing about conducting myself. Of but course, I, I was a high schooler, so yeah. what can you say? And um, the teacher, um, the my my orchestra conductor said, "William, why don't you get up and do it?" And of course, I made a <laughs> fool of myself. But he took me into his class, and so that's why I began studying conducting a bit. He said, "I I think that you um, could have potential," and he you know, gave me that opportunity to study with them. And and before, I'd always been interested in many different, in what's going on in the orchestra, right. listening not just to the cellos, but listening to the violinists, listening to the tuba, listening to the bassoon, everything. That's why I was interested in learning how to play these instruments also, because I, I wanted to learn how to play every instrument so I could play the parts that I like to hear, so I could um, also be better at composition. And conducting was just kind of a natural um, step into that also. He sounded like the actor that suddenly, you know, is so fascinated in every aspect of movie making, they become a director. In a way, yeah. in a way, that's that's it. But it, it, I, I started then, but I didn't actually really study conducting until much later. Really? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I was studying it with him, but it wasn't my main thing. My main thing remained cello for several years afterwards we were joking a little bit before we came on the air about the bugs bunny cartoon oh, yeah. <laughs> you know long-haired hair where he's he, yeah. he comes in he's leopold you know the, yeah. the great conductor and he of course he's given the opera singer grief on that but you were telling me that a lot of people are actually influenced by that well yeah uh, some some people <laughs> you know they as children see this cartoon yeah. and they say well i want to be leopold yeah <laughs> and, and you know they run around the house not me but uh, you know some colleagues of mine yeah. you know talking to about this and and so, yeah, it's it's funny. So they can raise their hand in the air, walk away, and leave the glove there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be kind of nice. Yeah. So, you know, okay, explain a little bit what it is to be a conductor. Because I think a lot of people are like me. They see people waving their arms in the air, yep. and they don't understand. Of course, you know, it's fascinating because you can watch different people in the orchestra, and you can tell they're getting different cues from yep. the conductor at the same time. Talk about the process on that. Obviously, there's a time component there, I would imagine. Yeah, on, on what a conductor does. So, yeah. so. Um, again, with the iceberg analogy, yeah. um, what you see in the performance is just the very, it's not even the tip of the iceberg. It's like the very top of the tip of the iceberg. It's the smallest bit of work that we do as conductors. Yeah. Um, what what we do a lot of is, um, well, first I will tell you what you see. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, because that's the the most interesting thing to many people. What you, what you see the conductor doing is giving, as you said, cues to different people, come in here, come in there, though... Uh, sometimes, often, the orchestra doesn't even need you to do that. It's yeah. more uh, so. With, with depending on the level of the ensemble, they do need that. If it's a if it's a high school group, right? They need that. If it's a university group, depending on the level, they need that. Um, and if it's a very hard piece with a professional group that they don't know so well, then they need, need it. That. But um, what you're what you're doing on the podium is trying to um, convey the music, be a conduit of the music to show. What to be a visual representation of what the audience should be hearing, and that is, you know, that should in, hopefully inspire the orchestra to play um, in that in that way. Even though they can play it already, but it can inspire them to play even at a higher level. Right, and that's what you're seeing in the performance. Um, but what conductors do, um, there's there's a lot of work involved in it. There's a lot of study of of score study of studying the music. And uh, doing biographical research on the composers um, and the time that they live in. And so, I mean, really, in a way that you're also uh, an academic. Yeah. You're, you're doing a lot of academic research before you even step on the podium to do the first rehearsal. You, you've already spent much time with the score. Right. Yeah. Talk a, 
about okay so you're you're in college you graduate you've you've gotten your masters you've you've done a, but you also did a lot of traveling too didn't you with different you played with different groups and so forth yeah tell us a little bit about that uh well so i i've i've done i've i've conducted a, f- a few orchestras in a, f- a few different countries so i conduct an orchestra in in italy and in germany and and um also in the czech republic and a few other places like that um it's it's just kind of it's the life of a of a yeah. conductor conductors um you know they might live in one place and then they are conducting orchestras in other places it's part of the job <laughs> but you live in vienna which is what like really the the center of 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 just music. I mean, it's a beautiful musical city. It's like Candyland for yeah. classical musicians because, um, you know, I, I make the joke often that you throw a rock and you find a house that Beethoven lived in. Right. <laughs> but it's not so far off yeah. um, because they, you know, they still they still have a, a great respect for their musical past yeah. and, and for their past in general, but specifically also this musical past. And so you can go to Beethoven's house and it's a museum. To, yeah. There are three or four different ones. And you can go to you can go to the Mozart House in Vienna, um, where he lived the longest period of time. You can go to Schubert's uh, uh, to Schubert's house. You can go to the Haydn House. Many different places, and and um, then also the the city just has like four or five great orchestras and you know great opera houses. And outside of music, there you know you have again the thing with many different art forms. Right. And so there's always something to see in the arts, and that's that's just really great. You, you grow as a musician, but it, you, you've told me earlier that you suffer from lack of Mississippi food. I miss I miss Mississippi food. Yeah, yeah, I do. I miss catfish and red beans and rice. And it's kind of hard to get a care package of catfish. <laughs> oh yeah, it's really hard. And it's even you do a lot of cooking too, and it's hard to even find the spices. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's. Um, so I always end up bringing back with me um, some. I, I call it the crazy mixed-up salt. I don't know. I don't know actually what the real right. name of it is. But I, I go to Kroger and get some salt. And oh, take that's it awesome. Back with me. That's hard to get through TSA with that. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's great. We're going to take a quick break and continue our conversation with Mississippi native and world-class conductor William Walker. Tell you what, if you've got any questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 877-672-7464 or 877-MPB-RING. And we're going to go out with a little piece by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. MPB would like to thank Daniel, Coker, Horton, and Bell and the Mississippi Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter, too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org underwriting to find out how. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I want to thank the Now You're Talking Orchestra for such a great piece. No, just kidding. Anyway, if you're just joining us, we've had a fantastic guest today, Mississippi native, world-class conductor, William Walker. I tell you what, um, I, like I said, I, I just read over your career and all different things you've gotten to do. I, I'm exhausted. How do you do it all? I mean, seriously, between the practice and the travel and the, you just constantly, that's, that's all you do, isn't it? Late nights. Late nights. Late nights. Yeah. yeah. Caffeine. Caffeine, late nights, and just doing it. Yeah, and loving it, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's the main goal. You yeah. know, I, I had, I've, I've heard from many different people that with being a, a classical musician or being a musician in, in general, you should only do it when you can't imagine doing anything else. Right. And that's that's where I am at this point. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't imagine doing anything else. I just can't. Do you, and I was talking to your mom a little bit earlier, asking if she was musical. And she said she's actually she taught herself to play piano. I was impressed yeah. by that. But where did it come from? Did you see? I mean, are your siblings 
musical? Is it like some? Is it? I mean, is it well, a nature or nurture thing with you? Well, it's it's just a thing of it. It just kind of happened. It just I I, I can't really explain it. I I just went from starting yeah. to moving to the next level to the next level yeah. to the next level, and um, yeah, that's and, how. And I, that's how we're sitting here right now. Exactly. Right? So, what are you doing right now, and what's coming up for you? Uh, well, right now I'm. Um, well, you're here in the yeah, studio. I'm, I'm in here Jackson. in the studio, you're exactly. Home. Yeah, in, in Jackson, which is nice with good food, I might add. Oh yeah, red beans and rice and yeah. whatnot. But yeah, so <laughs> right right now I'm I'm uh, guest conducting orchestras. Yeah, and um, I'm performing with Art Alive. It's a, a group based out of out of Austria, founded by Aldina Topjik. Mm-hmm. I I hope I said her name correctly. Um, yeah, and and um, wait, she's on the phone right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and. And um, so, um, we we, she's the founder of it, and she's one of the dancers. It's a, a dance ensemble. Oh wow! Another yeah. another dancer is um, Joel uh, Suarez um, from Cuba, mm-hmm. and then we have a singer Tatiana Muse um, from Ukraine. And so the the four of us and myself on cello actually okay. um, form an ensemble, and we perform in different places. We have an upcoming event in Brussels in in, in early June. Uh, performing at the at the Royal Fine Arts Museum. Oh wow! And so that's that's one of the things that are, is coming up, and, and then of course guest conducting a few other orchestras. And um, what's that like walking in and they don't do they know you? I mean, you're just like, but they they listen to you obviously right off the bat. That has to be kind of a kind of like being an uncle walking well, into. Well, it's it's kind of it's kind of like a it's like going on a first date. You show yeah. up and you don't know if you trust the other person yet, right? And so. Um, you know, you you um, just have to build respect and trust, yeah. and you know, don't be a tyrant because but, that doesn't work see, that's at the all. Thing. I mean, that's because that's like a lot of people think all conductors are tyrants, but yeah. that's really kind of an old, outdated trope. Yeah, isn't it? Ex- exactly. That's yeah. that's something of the past, it, yeah. it, of the mid twentieth century. But you don't strike me as a tyrant. No, I. I I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but say your mom's in the room. She wouldn't allow you to be a tyrant. <laughs> well, yeah. Now she's shaking her head over there. She said, "No, not going to happen." So, mm. um, but you're playing. You're playing and conducting back and forth. Yeah. So I because I I've, uh, so a lot of conductors say, "Well, I'm, I'm a conductor now. This is what I'm going to do. It's the right. only thing I do." And I I think that to be able to still be able to talk to an orchestra and say, "Could you please try this." You have to be able to still have a connection with your primary instrument, whatever it is. Right. And so, you know, I, I want to be able, to, I want people to be able to say, well, he still plays his instrument. He knows what it's like to play an instrument because, you know, you have some guys who are in their 80s and they haven't touched an instrument in 50 years. And so, yeah, they have a lot of, res- they have a lot of knowledge, but they don't have that direct connection. With right. It. And so I, I don't want to ever lose that. And so that's why I continue to play the cello and, and compose as well, because it, activates a different part of the brain so how long are you going to be in town i'm, I'm here i'm here for um another two weeks okay pick uh, your accent back up right yeah See? hi y'all yeah. <laughs> i'm your conductor exactly <laughs> <laughs> talk like that on that no just kidding you and i talk about a, a mutual love of john williams um oh, and yeah. that when you were little you know that obviously star wars and all those themes on that you got to meet him i did um i i had the great fortune to to um, meet him at Tanglewood one year, I, I was, it's a summer festival in in um, Massachusetts, and I, I went up there and and went to the stage, and he was there, and he was you know generous enough to give me some time and talk with me a little oh, bit. Oh wow! Yeah. So what what you're sitting down with John Williams? What do you ask him? Well, I, I just I first of all, I, you know, I, I I just asked him, well, how did you come up with these themes? I, I yeah. love his music, right? I, and so I I just wanted to know how did how did you do it, and you know do you have any advice and um yeah so um he one one thing that he he told me um with the star wars films because i asked him specifically um how did you come up with the great themes of the star wars movies and he said well what i wanted to do with it was i wanted to make a parallel with with the ring cycle yeah and so there are different light motifs, and the light motif is, for example, when Darth Vader comes in, they play the Imperial March. You know Darth Vader's music. You know if you hear this music, he's somewhere around. It's gonna be heavy and horns. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and the same thing with Luke Skywalker with one of the other people in in the trilogy in the films. You know when their music comes, they're going to be there somewhere, or they have something to do with it. And so that's what he was trying to do. And and if you listen 
throughout all what is it nine films nine now or now, something yeah. uh, you can hear connections through all of them through the music you know somebody might say something in the in, in the lines and and you hear a little foreshadowing or well yeah anakin for instance in the prequels you heard a little bit of darth vader's ex- thing exactly. coming in there very softly exactly know? so yeah it's br- and, and like you said earlier if they if you strip the music out of the movies wouldn't be nearly as good but it's yeah. like peter and the wolf you almost you, you can i can listen to it and tell you exactly what's going on in the movie yeah exactly so we got a couple of about 30 seconds or so do you have any advice for anybody who's who has dreams on a world class like you do um Practice, 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 practice. That's the key. Um, you know, make sure that you do as much research as possible um, and really love what you're doing. If yeah. you love what you're doing, if you're practicing, then it, it works. Thank you, William. Appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to come visit us. Thank you. We're going out with some John Williams, right? Is that right? No, no, nope, going out Bernstein. Oh, okay. Sorry. See, you You know exactly. <laughs> oh, Williams is conducting. Okay. There you go. Throw me off there a little bit. All right. Well, Now You're Talking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. is produced by the amazing and wonderful, talented Michelle McAdoo. I'd like to thank our guest, William Walker, for joining us today. Coming up next is Southern Remedy and Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell. Join us next week for more Now You're Talking. Y'all have a great week.